I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm saying? <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. I hope this podcast finds you well on a road trip or your daily commute to work or jogging that treacherous route or perhaps late night when you're trying to fall asleep. It's good for that. My name's Cabby and I'm your host. You may have found this on iTunes or the TSN Pod Center or listening across the TSN radio network. So thanks for the click or tuning in. I'll try to make the next 45 minutes or so entertaining as possible. If you found this on the gram or Instagram or IG, I'm not sure what people are calling it. Whether it's, I've heard it referred to as the gram. Me personally, I call it, Inst- or I call it IG or, and some people call it Instagram. But if you found it there or on, uh, on Twitter, I appreciate you and I appreciate the click. On Twitter, I'm at uh, Cabby and on Instagram, it's at The Real Cabby. Both are great time wasters. Before we get to a fun conversation with a reclusive NHL goal scorer in between his workouts, I remind you to score big on game day with Subway Catering. Try our delicious piled high sandwich platters or custom made giant subs. Your guests will love the taste, you'll love the value. Subway, eat fresh. Some orders may require a 24-hour advance notice. And now, my guest joins me on the phone. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. The last time I saw this man, we were at a charity ping-pong event for Dominic Moore at the Steam Whistle Brewery right across the street from the CN Tower in downtown Toronto. The CN Tower is the giant needle in the middle of the Toronto skyline for my American homies that are listening to this podcast. He's enigmatic in this way, my guest. When he played in two huge Canadian markets, Calgary and Montreal, you'd never see him out. Like, you'd see him at, like, charity events, but not just having, like, a casual one with his boys. He's got a little pokeroo to him. Secondly, and this lends credence to the whole pokeroo comparison, he lives in the gym and is stronger and more powerful than his teammates. Point in case, when I was filming this uh, training session with the Calgary Flames a few years back, uh, the strength and conditioning coach used to post these lists of uh, various exercises and, um, and benchmarks for the players, you know, squats and various presses. Mike Camilleri's name was at the top of those lists. Although he's listed at 5'9 in the media guide, the dude plays like he's 6'4". And it's a pleasure to have Mike Camilleri... On the Cabby Presents podcast, welcome, sir. That's quite the intro, man. I feel really good about myself right now. <laughs> you feel like you can go do a triathlon. I feel great right now. I mean, I, I, I want to, like, I, I'm glad this is being recorded. I can play it for my kids one day, and, and especially my wife once in a while when she, you know, doesn't think all that much of me. I got you, man. Well, listen, man, hey, if I didn't see those things in real life, then I would, I would never believe it. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, top of the... Uh, it was like uh, bench press for sure. There was like the, some kind of squat deck. I was like, wow, like you were just, 
you're just a gym rat, and I'm sh- and I'm happy to like to catch you in between workouts. I know that um, you know in the how actually how much time how much downtime do you allow for yourself in the off season? As it's widely known that you know players in the four majors, well maybe okay three majors. I'm gonna leave baseball out of this one. That your your season is 12 months long. So how much downtime do you allow yourself after the season? It's changed quite a bit as my career has evolved. At the point I'm at now, it's just become more of a lifestyle thing. I think it, the way the game is now, and and as you get older, and I have a family and different time commitments and things of that nature, um, it's become more of a lifestyle. So it's become much more of a 12 month thing. Where when I was younger, and the kind of the norm was more of after the season, to take some time off and and let yourself go a little bit, and you'd find yourself pretty out of shape, but. Um, now it's just it's just more of a I find it to be more sustainable if I just kind of try and live and be Tammy, healthy. Give me, as much give me as like give me a time frame though. Like when you were younger, you said let yourself go. That means trips to. What does that mean? Trips to Cabo. That means Vegas with the boys. Vegas, that means yeah. Miami yeah. with the boys. Yeah, that yeah. means you know two three weeks doing nothing, maybe a lot of <laughs> golf and. What about the F1 in Montreal? Three, four percent more than it was, and your uh, your conditioning isn't where it was, and you got to just kind of start all over as far as building your body up, and then. Now, you, I, I, I just feel like, like not very good health-wise, and I can't chase the kids around if I don't work out for two days after the season. So I find, like, wow. literally within two or three days after the season, I feel like doing something. It's actually usually a lot of, like, yoga and Pilates at the beginning of my summer, and then ah, okay. from there getting into the lifting. Gen- general maintenance with the yoga and Pilates. Yeah. Although I heard Pilates is a pretty good workout. It's great. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Like, just for the health of your body and feeling good and all those aches and pains that we get as we grow and have deficiencies in our body. It, it helps a lot. I want to go back to um, your younger days when you just let loose. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Dude, that's the most <laughs> interesting stuff. Wait, did, was there ever a trip to the F1 in Montreal? There was one. Oh, I yeah. heard I heard that is just chaos. So let me frame this story for you. Um, you were single? <laughs> I uh, I was a member of the Montreal Canadiens at the time, oh, and no. we had just—it was my first season in Montreal—and we had just um, finished a playoff run where we went to the conference finals, and the city was pretty excited about what we had done. Um, we Wait, can I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you real quick? That summer back in Toronto. Wait, Cam, Cammy, hold on. In that in that playoff season, uh, series, sorry, that playoff stretch, didn't you have fourteen goals in that? Like three it was rounds? 13, I think, yeah. It was a good playoff. It would have been better if we kept going. But 13 anyhow, or 14? You were a monster. Grand Prix, not hockey right now, right? Okay, fine, fine. Okay. <laughs> so, so, okay, back to your story. F1 so, in Montreal. Uh, you're yeah. all about the Montreal Grand Prix growing up in Toronto. And I don't know how local this show is or, you know, how no, you this, got a lot of listeners probably all over the place. I this, mean, you're a big star now. but Whatever, anyway. man. This goes across Canada, and then there are some American homies that listen on the podcast. So, right. North America, they, they tune in. All right, cool. And um, so, yeah, this Montreal Grand Prix is a great, great party you always hear about. So my buddies from Toronto that I grew up with, we all decided to experience it, and it was everything it was built to be and more. It was just a great time. I mean, Montreal's a great time without the Grand Prix. So the Grand Prix in, and it's like it's like Memorial Day in Vegas. It's like the whole thing, you know? Wait, okay, but you're you're just telling me, like, you're just, you're painting with broad strokes. Listen, <laughs> okay. I'm a man that I like right, my... Go, I'll go a little more detail for you. Uh my now wife and I were dating at the time. We okay. were not married, and we did not have any children. So we were we were partying a little more. We were having a better time. You know, I shouldn't say better time. Our, our life's great now, but a different kind of time. A, a different you know? kind of fun. Different yeah. kind of fun. Uh, listen, my my good my good friend Paul Bissonette once said, "If you're not married, you're single." So you guys are just dating. So I mean, it's a F one with the boys. Uh, from from uh, I've heard from other players in your league that. 
are uh, not married that it's just legit savagery. I, you know, I, I don't know if she'd uh, she'd agree with that statement, the whole not married single thing. But um, of course not. But Bissonnette's a smart guy, you know, <laughs> in his own right. He's uh, yes, he's uh, he's a very charming man. He's um, there's a lot of things about about business life that I really love. Yeah, he was, how's he doing? You seen him lately at all? I, actually, I've just been following him on Snapchat. Like he's. <laughs> So, did you, are you on Snapchat? No, I'm not. Is Snapchat like active, like kind of like I have in private Instagram that you know for family and friends. Is it kind of like that? Or? No, Snapchat is like you get to peer into someone's life ten seconds at a time. Actually, they they sort of broadcast their own lives in and ten then it seconds. Disappears, right? Yeah, and it disappears forever. Wow, that's that's a wild concept. Oh, dude, <laughs> it's uh, it's quite fun. And like, so now people just do these Snapchat stories. So they'll just have like a compilation of, you know, I don't know, like a hundred seconds or it varies, but huh. they're just basically showing you what's going on in their lives. So this, I have, I have like in previous podcasts, I've had uh, complaints about how girls use Snapchat because generally uh, they suck at it. It's okay. uh, it's just, it's just a video of their dogs, <laughs> their drunk guy friends dancing, right? or it's sometimes it's food right. and other times it's just. It's just like them singing or just doing silly selfies at, or, or selfies at a club. It's the club ones that I hate because oh, it's right. dark. The music's distorted because it's just coming through your phone and you can't see anything. Those are the three things Probably that a lot I get. Of vegan girls on there too, showing a lot of green foods. No, nice. no, you don't see any of that. You don't see any of that. Occasionally yeah. you'll see a meal, but it's like a burger and fries. Okay. Maybe it's a salad with some pecans and some <laughs> strawberries and goat cheese. Maybe. <laughs> From time to time, right. but it, they're they're not using it the way it should be used for. You know what I'm saying, You'll Mike Camilleri? Sometimes, I mean, I, I got two daughters now, Cab. So I I like the fact that they're using it to show dogs and food <laughs> and things of that nature. I like that actually. Dude, by the time your your daughters are like 13 and 15 or or 13 and 17, um, who knows? What oh boy, it's just gonna be a different world. Everyone honey. will have their own reality show. It'll be like people will just have producers walking around with them filming them. That's right. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> speaking like of which. Speaking of which, when I heard about you, it's like I like we have a mutual friend. Shout out to Mike Fish. But I sure. heard about you, and I'd, I'd seen you play. But the first time I think I saw one of your interviews, you were doing MTV Cribs at the height of MTV Cribs, and you had a dope spot in Los Angeles. Whatever happened to that? That what was it? Four stories or five story townhouse that you had? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Huh? Like that was the cool thing about that was is you're right. It was right when like MTV Cribs was like the thing. Yeah. And they wanted some Canadian contingency because uh, I guess MTV was moving into Canada or whatever it was. So we were playing for the Kings, and yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a great house. It was actually a, a standalone house. Oh my bad. A couple blocks from the beach, and um, it was uh, in Hermosa Beach. It was a pretty oh, cool spot. Oh, the heart, man. Hermosa Beach. Like shout out to. I was just in LA last week, and we went down to um, Venice for a bit. But like that Manhattan Hermosa Redondo Beach stretch. Isn't it just? I mean, oh, it's glorious, man. The it's, standard of living down there is people don't even like it's there's a reason why so many people live in Southern California. I mean, it's just it really is a nice place to live. Mike, I don't understand how people can afford to live there though. Like what is what are what are what's the industry there? Like well, in Toronto, well, well, we got, well, there's a lot of industry there, but let me let me say this. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, I please. traveled and lived in a lot of places. If you can afford to live in Toronto, you can afford to live anywhere, anywhere in the world because this is the most expensive place by far. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty pricey. I think I think Vancouver is a little bit more is Never pricier. 
You've never been to Vancouver? Never just lived as a... there or played there many times. Never lived there. So never had the experience of having cost of living there. But Toronto's crazy. Tor- Toronto is crazy. But like, okay, but your neighbors in, when you lived in Hermosa Beach, like, what did they do? Because every time I go there, it's just people on the beach riding bikes. There's some skateboarders. I don't see anybody working when I, I go know, there. I know, you're right. It's like, it's kind of like, well, Hermosa's got a good mix of eclectic people. Manhattan Beach is a little more kind of, um, wealthy, actually, and like it's it's kind of the millionaire surfer next door. It's the dot com boom hit a little bit in California, uh, Northern okay. California. A lot of them bought houses down there. It's 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 a pretty unique place. But then you get the old like surfer community who hates the fact that people are building multi million dollar beach houses there, and they they just yell at everybody and call me <laughs> up. It's kind of it's kind of funny. That is a, a nice blend of the two worlds. Okay, so what what I meant to say about Snapchat is that's how I fall sorry, follow Paul Bissonette's life. And the other day he was rhyming to Nas. And right. I was like, yo, you, he's, first of all, he's wearing a Yankees cap, which as a Canadian, I find repulsive. Really? Because, uh, oh, in, in living in Toronto, when I see people with baseball, with Yankee caps, it infuriates me. It's one of the, it's one of the few sports passions that I have. Like, don't disrespect your city with a friggin' Yankees cap because it's friggin' trendy. Like, see, the you thing rep- is, though, is that you and I both got to experience the early 90 Toronto Blue Jays. We did. Yeah, we, we did. did. Right. Have some pride so, in your city. I mean, the younger generation, they haven't had that, right? That's true. Living, living as a sports fan in Toronto is very, very hard. It's right. heartbreaking. It wasn't then. I mean, that was, that was amazing back then. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, and actually, I just saw Roberto Alomar. I got to tell you this unbelievable Roberto Alomar story. I don't think I could share it on this, but I just saw him like uh, last week. And we said, what's up? So I, I heard this original Roberto Alomar story from one of his teammates. And then Alomar not only validated the story, and then he gave me an epilogue. And I'm wow. like, you're such a G. Just wow. a legit gangster. When I, when I really used that. Did he really that, live in the hotel? Yeah, he lived, yeah, he lived there. And, and there, was a, there was a, okay. Oh, there was a. <laughs> you stop right now. <laughs> you I'll stop just, right now. I'll just say this. There was someone else lived at the hotel that. Uh, their TV show may or may not have been, have taken place on one of the beaches that you lived on, or wow. a beach close by to where you lived. Wow, the Damn, iconic huh? red ba- bathing suit. Damn, huh? Yeah, so that's that's all I'll tell about that story. Um, oh, one 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 more thing about your uh, your workouts is: Would you ever let me periscope one of your workouts? Uh no. You, do you know what Periscope is? I think I know what Periscope is. What, is, what do you think Periscope is? Well, it's some sort of viewing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a live feed. So it's like I would show with my phone, and I would just record you yeah, just no. crushing out lunges and friggin' the thing with the ropes that all hockey players do, <laughs> and then some kind of torso twist a with, a, really with a jump Honestly, squat. We, like, the stuff that we've done for the commercials and we do for the cameras, the fun, heavy lifting stuff, which we do, but a lot of it is so functional and so amazing but it it would look terribly boring to you would it like the ladder stuff i mean not that you ever really use any kind of your feet i guess when you're just sprinting up the ice on a maybe a break your feet or when you turn when you're changing changing directions and you you know you have a a quick uh, gait and a quick sprint but uh you're, I remember your uh, one Adidas commercial was sick. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna rent out this whole, <laughs> this track and this gym, and just just for me to just shoot this commercial. Yeah, that was fun. The thing about that commercial was that was a great deal with Adidas. We did a, a three year campaign with them. But the the cool thing about that commercial was, um, well, I don't know how cool it was. They had a body double for me. What? And this guy was like like jacked, like model looking, but he had these like skinny little legs, and I'm like. 
no, I'm not letting him. So, <laughs> so I, I did the whole thing myself. Like I, I worked out that day for like 16 hours straight. Because you just have to keep doing the reps, like the exercises over and over and over I again was for the camera, right? And so then my body like shut down on me. Like It was on like a Saturday. I was supposed to go back to the gym on Monday. And then I had to go see the doctors because I, I, I couldn't move. I had to like, they, they made me take a week, like just lie in bed for a week. Like, my, like I, did, I did a month's worth of training in one day. It was really, wait really a second. not that smart. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. So they hired a body double for you, a professional athlete, it, for a commercial where you're showing your training as a professional athlete? Sure, they hired the body double to like do all the reps that you can't see the face or anything so that I can just come in and do like one rep and like <laughs> they get the shot, you know? <laughs> the hero shot, the slow motion walking away from the gym as it's engulfed in flames. Right, but I was like, no, this ain't happening. So I, I did the whole thing. I did, and wow. It, it was silly of me because it was like two weeks before training camp, and I, I had to take like a week off, and then it, I almost killed myself. Wait, Mike, is that is that standard practice? Like, had you The body double thing? Yeah. I would think so. I mean, that's a lot of volume for anybody to do. I mean, it depends on the commercial and what you're really doing in the commercial. Why? But, I just like, like we hear about Photoshop. I mean, you're in the entertainment industry. You should know that stuff more than I should know. Well, no, but listen, I'm not a professional athlete. I mean, I interview you guys, but I certainly don't live your life. I don't have your talent, hard work, or dedication. There's and a I... lot of pro athletes that wish they could come back as you, my friend. Whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so you would, you're would no to the Periscope. You wouldn't let me live stream your one of your workouts. No, nah, man. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. All that right. was we, We've done all that. I'm good. I'm <laughs> private now. I, gotta I know you are. My, you're freaking Pokeroo. Half the time, my daughters are down there working out with me. Yeah, they're just they're just standing up and running around and just they're yelling down the trampoline and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. I was um I was having um so I was watching some hockey and basketball last night and I was having a conversation. One of my boys is in town from Calgary. He owns an ad agency and another actually another friend of mine is in town from Ca- Calgary and he's a finance guy. But anyway, we started talking about sports and their eight this my friend's agency had a meeting with the NHL and they were tasked with uh like they're like. The question they, they wanted, the, the league wanted the this agency to do three things, and I can only remember two of the three was grow the brand internationally, and then how the big the bigger question was how to make players in your league stars, and I I reminded him of this um this list that I saw by a, a company called One Twenty Sports, where it polled fourteen hundred millennials, so as uh, millennials is described as people from eighteen to thirty four, and to and they, so they surveyed these people and they asked them uh, to choose the athlete that mattered to them most. Not like the best or the most celebrated or the most popular, the athlete that, they, that, that mattered to them most. So for your hockey brethren on this list of 40 athletes, there are five hockey dudes that appeared on the list. Ovechkin at 36, Crosby at 35, Stamkos at 29, Kane at 18, and Jonathan Taves is at 17, the highest-ranking NHL player on this list. So my question to you is, how do you think it, your league should either market their stars or grow the game via their stars? That's, been, that's the age-old question. I, I think right now um, we're kind of at an interesting point where, uh, and I sit on a competition committee with, for the NHLPA and, and the NHL where we talk about the gameplay, and that's where I'm going to kind of go with this is, I think the actual way the game's played and, and how good everybody is defensively and how good the goaltenders are nowadays, it makes it hard. There's so much parity. It makes it hard for the star players to really shine as stars. I mean, 
um, when the league's leading scorer is in the 80-point range, uh, it's hard to have that hero worship. You know, Crosby should be getting 130 points every year, 140 points, where he's separating himself by 30, 40 points, um, which allows the kind of um, that kind of superstardom, and you can see it; it's tangible. He's scoring every night. So I, I think we have to um, look at the game and assess that and understand how we can always not change the game because we never want to change the game, but, but, but just tweak the game so that we can allow that offense to shine through again. Okay, so I had, I had a conversation with one of my dudes that plays uh, in your conference. I won't say who, but in your conference. And he, he said that he's like, he's like an old-school hockey guy. And I guess the problem that we the, – the issue that we – sort of discussed was hockey culture. How in your guys' culture, you suppress personalities and you suppress kind of uh, yeah, guys... There's something good about that. I mean, I understand that that's, that takes away from the marketability of... Yes, okay. You know, you know we all know the Allen Iverson interview, you know? Practice, right? Like, I mean... Right, right, right. Right? right? So everybody knows that, and that brings a lot of attention to the NBA. Um, you're just not going to get that in hockey because hockey, the dynamic of the sport... It's a consummate team sport, and your body is physically uh, on the line. Your your head is physically on the line every night, depending on having your teammates having each other's back and supporting one another. So it just doesn't breed that type of individualism. And there's so you can fight that all you want, but it just it'll never it'll never fly in in our game, in my opinion, because. Um, that culture is a result of the way the game's played and a result of, of, of us really needing it's a consummate team sport. So you, you're really an outcast if you act like it's all about you. And, um, and so you're not going to get that. And so instead, why don't we try and celebrate that team mentality and that, um, that, that what makes Jonathan Taves, Jonathan Taves is that he's willing to be, you know, do what he needs to do for his team to win, you know, instead of drawing attention to himself. So that's that's kind of, I think, if anything, we should try and celebrate that because it's. I think it's an easier job than trying to change something that I don't think you can change. So, but does that hurt your game though? That your 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 stars are less marketable. Possibly hurts the checkbook a little bit as far as what you know what revenue can be brought in. But but maybe there's a way to do that. Like maybe what I'm saying is, and this is just coming out of this conversation organically. I, you know, I haven't even thought about this until we started talking about it right now. But I, maybe you can celebrate that sort of. Um, you know, I, I might get a little deep here, but we live in a world ahead, where we're I'm pluralistic. We we think about our nature and environment. We think about others than ourselves. But um, maybe you know, maybe there's something that can be celebrated as far as that's how our game's played. Also, you know, I just wonder if in growing your game or your or your guys, your game is missing an opportunity to grab a hold of the casual fan. You yeah. know, it's been it's been Bettman's. Um, his mission to grow the game in the Southern United States across, you know, in the Southeast and, and, you know, in, in the state of Texas and Arizona and all that and, and grow, grow the game in non-traditional hockey markets. But we live in a star, star culture, a celebrity culture where you have, you know, Instagram stars and, you know, Twitter stars and reality stars where celebrity has so much weight, good or bad. But I'm wondering if, your your sport be, by being so authentic to its game by the pursuit of excellence in excellence in the game the way it's played if you're missing an opportunity to grow to reel in the casual fan then that casual fan is 
then exposed to why Jonathan Taves is so great, such a team sure. player, why Mike Camilleri is such a legit goal scorer, why Sidney Crosby is the face of the franchise because he has a sick work ethic and his talent is is matched by very few. Yeah, I think I think I hear you, and I, and I think for me the way to get there is go, is is allow the goal scorers to play that game that way and, and allow Sidney Crosby to fans, fancy Sidney Crosby get a hat trick. That's fun to watch and that creates stardom again. And so to me, that's the way is the actual gameplay to, to try and, um, you know, delve into individualism and personality and the way people act or dress. I, I just think it's not organic and I think it'll come off that way for our game. But, um, but I, I'd like to see the gameplay represent that um, for sure. And, and and maybe that is more attractive for the casual fan. I think if you get five four games, I think the casual fan likes it a lot better. To be honest with you, you're you're in the same camp as my my dude who I had dinner with, who was saying that he the excellence of the game should be the star as opposed to the 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 stars of the game being the star. Which is it's uh, hockey is in this regard the opposite of basketball where. The stars are bigger than the actual game. The game is great, but the stars are celebrated and they're promoted. And and since they play in a league, a helmetless league, then you can see their faces. And what about just having more fun in not saying fun in the game, but like fun in as their public personas. Like if if you did commercials where guys were funny or like okay, so when so here here when you did your Adidas commercial where it's just like you're training, it was it was a dope spot. Like were guys in your dressing room chirping you because you're like you have this commercial where it was just a you, little just bit, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. So like, if if dudes were doing I don't know uh, a subway commercial or some kind of a Chevy commercial or or some commercial yeah, for YouTube where you guys sport. are funny. Guys are going to chirp each other on they their are. own teams. I mean, in any sport when you have sort of the commercial or any. Anything in public, anything that you can, let's be honest, in that, in that um, camaraderie, anything you can chirp someone about, you're going to chirp them about. I think, you know, I think what you're talking about, you know, is creating more, yeah, personality and having heroes and villains and that whole thing. And, you know, I guess to a certain degree you could do that. I just, I just, I think it all goes back to, and I, I hate to sound boring or repeat myself, it all goes back to the way our game's played. Like, you just... We have systems, and everybody has to play the same way. All the teams that win, they play the same way. Getzloff's playing the same way as Bolesky, as Cogliano, as um, as anybody through their lineup is right now, and that's why they're successful. They're all playing the same way. Now, certain guys have different skill sets and will produce more and are playing more, but they're all playing the same way, and if a guy's not, it's like, dude, you're not part of this. Like Our team's not going to be successful, so it just doesn't work. You know, It just okay. doesn't work if you're out doing your own thing. It's not, it's not like basketball where you can have the – the isolate and Jordan can just take you one on two and, and, and hit a fadeaway, you know? Okay, so to your to your point about this this team this team concept and this heavy team concept and that sort of thing and guys playing together, how do you explain the success of like the Seattle Seahawks? They play great team defense, great team, but they have huge personalities. Russell Wilson is loves being a celebrity, and then you have Richard Sherman who loves being the villain, sure but he's the... the sure is a uh, corner, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but he's... And he's the best at his position in the game. Sure. And then you have Marshawn Lynch, who doesn't like the celebrity, but he's a huge team guy. Um, but he's... Again, he's a big personality. And you have 
But that team has been, they were one play away from me. They really should have, they lost, they gave away that last Super Bowl to the Patriots. I think it's a different dynamic play. football. Like I went to the University of Michigan, and the of dynamic in the locker room, I had buddies <laughs> on the football team. I mean, they got 80, 80 guys on their roster, something like that. I think football's 53, but they probably, you know, guys practice college, roster. I think they had, like, red shirts and stuff okay, like that. Yeah, yeah, so I think yeah. they had, like, 70 or 80 guys. And so, I mean, maybe 53 on an NFL team. I mean, it's much more sizable than a 20-man roster. I think there's a little bit of a different dynamic there. I think positionally they're a little, a little more isolated. You know, I think I think a corner, I mean, although they're they're playing a defense where they got to read the run and drop back into pass coverage or whatever it is, and they, you know, they got a safety that's helping them out, but it's it's me on you, right? I mean, um, yeah, but for every every defensive guy, there's an offensive guy that he matches up with. So it's so it, it, so I'm it saying is the game is a little different, right? Yeah, like, yes, yes. But I'm talking just talking about like the team concept, and right. like you know, it, the New England Patriots are very very much have the personality of the coach. It's like it's Belichick's team. Nobody can have fun on that team. But with the exception of Rob Gronkowski. Who's on another planet right now? Like I just saw, I just saw a clip of him. He was motorboating some chick in like Virginia or something at like a wild, huh? like a Hooters guy. Can anybody in your league get away with being a Rob Gronkowski? Okay, first of all, you have to be like an all, all. Well, I just know all NBA and and uh, be like a pro. You basically have to be an all star, have all star talent. You have to score fifty goals like every year to act that way, and, and people want you still. Yeah, could, but could anyone get away with that in your league? It's tough to say because the guys who do it, who perform that way, aren't aren't that way, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, Stamkos is like the straightest guy you're going to meet, but it, it, he scores so much. I guess he could do it if he wanted to, but you don't see it. That's for sure. There, I don't know if, and I'm sure there 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 are personalities like Gronkowski in every dressing room, but they just the media would never see those guys because. Well, n- yeah, never see them much acting. More under, I guess behind closed doors. Yeah, hockey yeah, too, right. Yeah, I just want like I just like I don't know if there's any like anybody in any other sport that could get away with that unless any team sport. I should say. I'm sure, you know, if someone wanted to carry on like that in golf or in tennis, maybe they could. But someone in a team sport like Gronkowski is just in his own world. Like it, to live <laughs> like that guy for a for a day must be. Hey. I just saw, I was watching like one of the highlight shows the other day. Yeah, I saw pictures of him in Vegas and stuff. Pretty wild, man. Seems oh, like man. he's having a good time. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's probably. I think he's like twenty five. He's. Is that uh, all he is? I think he's. I think he's twenty five. Wow. On top of the world, just like that guy, just gym parties. <laughs> just Jack too. Just <laughs> yeah. huge, huh? Six five, like two seventy, <laughs> just a tank, and oh, like, man. Uh, and the IQ of the of your your jersey's number. And my jersey's number, and right. I don't wear a jersey, so that's a zero. Right. Uh, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be taking shots at the dude, but uh, but oh, I just. Hey, man, did. we're all here for two seconds. However, you want to do it. I mean, good I guess for that's him. True. That's awesome. Um, the time where I really used the term gangster was <laughs> you were. Um, it was. And I'm going to reference that that series that we, or sorry, that season that we mentioned earlier it was that 2010 season where. Too uh, long much, ago. We gotta have another one like that. We do, we do. I mean, you did lead your team in scoring this year. Congratulations, that was pretty dope. But you were just like it was you on some other level. And I, one of my favorite interviews that we did was uh, I was at a BioSteel camp, and I called you a gangster, and like I did this whole, I held this whole feature about you being like, like Al Capone or whatever. Shout out to Boardwalk Empire. But Great it was show. yeah, it was. Uh, but it was BioSteel, which was like was birthed by you and was was matt nickel just a friend of yours or or a trainer in the off season of yours yeah what happened with, with biosteel was um i was 
training with, you know, had the privilege and training with some of the best guys, I think, in the world from all around. And they're always telling me, you know, you can't drink this and you can't drink that. And I'm ordering stuff. And it was just a tough, tough to get anything good in your body that you needed um, to help hydrate and supplement yourself. And then I wanted to work with Matt. I knew Matt for years, but he was the least strength coach, so I never trained with him due to conflict of interest. But I'd always um, thought a lot of him. And then uh, him and the least severed their professional relationship. So, um, I had an opportunity to train with him that summer and, uh, the summer before, you know, Johnny Salenza who runs Biosteel and I had talked about doing something. And then we met Matt and he had had this product that, that he'd been given the Leafs and Olympians for like, you know, whatever, eight years or whatever it was. And uh, I started drinking the drink and, uh, training with him and that was the birth of Biosteel. I, I find it impressive that be, since you are you're a, a current athlete and and this that space the sports beverage uh, category you just said the beverage category has has exploded with you know the society's move towards more organic and and more healthy make people making healthier decisions and people being more health conscious in general but I find it like very intriguing that like. You're you're playing right now, like and guys, you don't really see many of your peers a starting a side business like that, and b if they do, you know whether it's like a not just like a clothing line or some vanity project, it's having legit success. Like I've seen some of the names that you guys signed. I remember way back when you guys one of the first athletes that you signed was um was it uh not uh, was it uh, oh my gosh uh, what sport. Um, it was football. The receiver for the Cowboys, Des, Des Bryant, was one of the. Was he one of the early adopters of BioSteel, or was yeah, it Jeter? It happened. It happened um, by accident. Really? <laughs> I mean, people just the the the, the product's so good, and it just kind of took off like wildfire through pro sports. So before you know it, you had people just just drinking it through pro sports. So it wasn't the endorsement part wasn't hard because guys guys wanted to be part of it. Guys were already drinking it, and they they were calling the company and paying for it with their credit cards and buying it online and and then you know so they said you know how you know let's do something here and so that, that's kind of how how the some of the endorsements gone and how some of the relationships have gone but it's uh yeah the one thing i'd say to any to anybody that that might be listening to this like you said the the, the beverage sports beverage industry and the supplement industry uh, is what it is just be really careful there's uh i'm not here to, to talk poorly about any other products but uh just be careful what you're putting in especially your kids' bodies, because um, a lot of these products are just made with, with one thing in mind, and that's profit margin, and it's not necessarily the best stuff to put in you. So okay. if you're not going to drink biosteel, just drink water. You'll be fine. <laughs> Spoken like a true dad right there. Yeah. Uh, was was Jeter one of the guys that was, was buying the product? Do I have Jeter? that right? Did you say Jeter? Yeah. Was he one of the well, dudes early on? The, I think the Yankees were, were, were using it for sure, and I, I think you know Jeter – Around midnight, likes to drink a lot of biosteel to get himself rehydrated. as the rumor. But. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great use of the, the product, product, man. Didn't he have like a parting gift basket? He used to throw a couple tubes in there for the. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was, the, it was a signed baseball. It was a biosteel to so that they themselves could know. also get rehydrated. Clear enough. I know the Yankees were were. So. I like. I like the growth. Still. I like the. Uh, the growth of your brand, like. You mentioned Johnny Salenzo. Johnny and I had a conversation in like February or March, and he's like, "I had this idea to do this high school basketball game, kind of like the All American, the McDonald's All American game, but to have a All Canadian game." He's like, "You think that's a dumb idea?" 
I'm like, no, I think that's an amazing idea. Like, there's so much talent, the the so much talent in basketball How about in Canada. That, first of all, like, let's talk about the Canadian basketball players, man. Way to go, guys! Like, unbelievable. Yeah. Huh? I think there were there were 12 this year that uh, were on uh, opening day rosters, which is which is. What record. do you attribute that to? The programs that they've started, like these these amateur programs. What, what's the what the like the demographic? Like, what's going on here? Um, I yeah, the AAU programs are pretty strong in Canada, and I think, I think just. And many of the guys would tell you it was the explosion of Vince Carter. Vince Carter was a Raptor influence for sure. When Vince Carter played here from 98 to 2004, 2005, in the heart of those seven years, that guy was a megastar. He was. And was here in Toronto, was in the backyard, and the guy had dunks that people had never seen before. The guy was just an unbelievable high flyer. It was, it was him, it was Kobe Bryant. Yep. And um, listen to you. You always just got to go throw Kobe in there, so he takes you on your helicopter ride. What are you eh? talking about? What are you talking about, Kobe? All right. All right, listen, listen, Kobe was one of those dudes. Kobe was one of those dudes. I remember, I remember where you came from. All right, we just drive cars. <laughs> We're just Toronto boys. You know what I mean? Listen, man. All right, I know. Listen, I know my roots. Your, your helicopters. And, I know my roots. You've changed, you've changed, man. I haven't changed. I've gotten fatter. I was born at <laughs> Mount Sinai changed. Hospital at University in Girard. Okay, I can't get more Toronto than that. <laughs> All my right, parents went enough. to U of T. My dad, my dad used to throw parties at U of T to put himself through school, and I'm pretty sure that's where he met my mom. But they lied to me when I was a kid, and they said they met at the library. They met at Robard's library. And when I went to Ryer, <laughs> when I went to university, I was like, and "Wow, it was an immaculate conception, also." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I know for sure I wasn't conceived in the library because I'm an idiot. I was probably conceived in an alley behind a Harvey's. Right. In friggin' 1976 or whatever it was, These, my math doesn't even really line up. Yeah, it does 76. But anyway, what I'm saying is, uh, well, you know when you were born, right? Yeah, I was born in 77. So, it was nine so yes, before that. yeah. So 76 does work. <laughs> I was just, I, I was, I was being an idiot for no apparent reason. But, uh, uh, but yeah. So I, they, they. So when I got to Ryerson, much in in very different ways, and you were roaming the halls of the University of Michigan. Uh, shout out to the Ohio State, by the way, the arch rival. But anyway, let me take it what? back to Ryerson. They, they got Division One sports at that place now. <laughs> Yo, listen. Uh, I don't think we ever they, lost the game. The Ohio State won the national championship with a third string quarterback. Man, shout out to Cardale <sighs> and Urban Meyer. Back. They're coming. They got. We had to fix some stuff. We got. Yeah, you guys got a bad you, name for a while. We had to fix some stuff. You guys got Coach Harbaugh in his freaking khaki pants now. How about like, that, man? Yeah, eight eight years. What is He's he like making the like? Equivalent of Babcock, isn't he in, in the NHL right now? Right, like money is ridiculous. <laughs> like these guys are getting paid like Phil Jackson without Phil Jackson's. Oh, by the way, eleven rings. Right. But right. Uh, let me get back to. So when I went to we Ryerson, got everywhere we started with the basketball game. That's we did. The conversation. We we, we, mean, will, we will get back to it. Started. <laughs> this is a long loop, like an F one lap. Two guys who like to talk way too much. Go ahead. I, oh, geez, we're both uh, we're both uh, we have diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, <laughs> At the library at Ryerson, when I would see other young students there, or other when I see girls, when I see girls, there, I gotta stop you right there. When you went to the library, yeah. did you bring a book bag? Because when I went to the library <laughs> at Michigan, often that's where all the girls would hang out. We'd forget to bring our book bag. We'd even <laughs> pretend like we were studying, and then we'd, they'd be like, "What are you doing here?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I was just studying." And then I'd be, like, "Where's your book?" Uh, we're uh, studying you. We're still we're in anatomy <laughs> class. We're kinesiology one hundred and one. Uh, Anyhow. Let me uh, let me just poke around your uh, neck bone a little bit. That collarbone looks really nice and exposed. <laughs> but um, I the the girls at, in the library didn't want to talk. 
Like people were just there to work. They were just right. focused on crushing out essays and finishing assignments, cramming like the rest of us. So when my parents told me that, like they met at the library, I was like, wow, my dad's got some really strong game. In order to pick up a girl in the library, like that, that game is tight. But mm -hmm. then I realized after they told me he used to throw parties, I was like, wait a second, this whole library story is just a lie. Right. Well, Do you believe the story that your parents told you about how they met? They went to prom together. I think that's true, though. I think there might be a picture to... Oh, wow. They were high school sweethearts? Not really. I think that's when they started, after high school. But, but you just said they went to the prom together. That was, like, their first, like, hey, you. Wow, just the prom. That's like... A, was you, wait, was your mom your dad's prom date, or was he there with another girl and then saw like started hollering at your mom there? They were actual dates. He didn't have, you know... I'd like to think he had that much game, but I don't know. <laughs> Did he pass on the game to his son? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I got I got a pretty good one, I think. So <laughs> you do have a pretty. Good I got a pretty good one. So. Okay, let but, me quickly let's go back. So yeah, the biosteel game. The biosteel game. Pretty impressive, right? I mean, I couldn't make it this year. We were packing up from Jersey, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that was a great idea by John, and I heard it was amazing. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. It was. It's dope. Like the way that this city has embraced basketball, rightly so. It is is amazing. You know, there's so many young dudes that come from here. I mean, Tristan Thompson is. You know, he's playing with the Cavs. Will probably re-sign with the Cavs because why would you leave LeBron James to mm -hmm. go anywhere else? You know, you got Andrew Wiggins, who was the Wiggins rookie of the year. Yo, huh? oh, absolutely. He's you know, obviously he's a BioSteel guy. You know, there's kids like Jamal Murray and Thon Maker. They're playing. Steve Nash was at the game. Here's another. There's another reason why uh, basketball in this country right. has grown. Just Steve Nash, two-time MVP, like a kid from Victoria, BC. Weird, right? Who was like had long hair. But could just like those guys. He could have easily been hanging out in Vancouver, like just one thousand percent, just being a hippie, and he's out there dominating the NBA. Or he could he could have been your neighbor in Hermosa Beach with that right. long hair, skateboarding as he still skateboards in his forties. He could have just been one of those guys that those people in Manhattan Beach would have been hating, like get these skaters out of here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Nash was there, and uh, and um, just like. In, in a matter of a couple months, Johnny's idea, boom, had a meeting at TSN. They loved it, and the, and the game came together. I hope there's, there are many more. But as, as someone who, is, who started uh, BioSteel, how, how do you feel about the growth of this company? It's, is it only like five years old or six yeah, years old? Yeah, five. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to watch. It's, uh, it's uh, a product line that I, I truly believe in, and so it's been great to watch. I mean, I, I, it's, it's definitely not me. It's, it's Johnny, and it's Matt, and it's all their work, so... Uh, it's been fun to watch them. I I hear the alarm. Hear yeah, I hear the alarm in the background, <laughs> background, which is your your six month old. So I'll I'll wrap this up because she she needs daddy's attention. Yeah. Which what are you gonna do? She's gonna go put on like. Honestly, a, this is the best time. I'm just gonna go pick her up, and she's gonna lie there and smile at me for like ten minutes. <laughs> That's what maybe. So you have the touch. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Nice. Well, listen, uh, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate spending the afternoon with you. Um, where can people? Uh, find you online if they want to see a, a gym uh, I'm selfie. A or, now, man, we don't have online presence. They can watch the games. That's that's <laughs> how they find you. Is like, is number twenty three for the New Jersey Devils. You got it, man. Okay, well, I I hope to see you soon this summer, and uh, I'll see you back on the ice doing what you do best, which is scoring goals. Let's do that, buddy. See you soon. All, All right, man. Peace. Thank you for listening to Michael Camilleri on the Subway Fresh Take Hotline. Fresh. This was Cabby Presents the podcast. Oh yeah.